Well, this is the day that the Lord has made. We ought to rejoice and be glad in it. Is anybody excited about today? Well, if that was okay, excitement, I'm talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords on this great day. This is a great day. This is a great Sunday that uh, we ought to give God some praises for. Amen. I am excited, y'all. Let me get this out the way first. Let me, <laughs> let me shout, first of all, God has just been so good to me, and uh, he's just blessed me. You know, the Bible says that he does stuff exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could think or even ask, according to the power that works within us. Well, God has just demonstrated that scripture to me. He does stuff exceedingly. Well, first of all, this weekend, me and my wife celebrated our 27th anniversary. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Then he does stuff abundantly. My son came from D.C. And he's getting ready to get married uh, April the 9th. Amen. And he came and celebrated with us. Amen. But it gets even better, y'all. He does stuff above that we could even think or imagine. I have two brothers here that I love dearly, that I've testified about, that I've shared, that the love that we went through at Biblical and we served one another, encouraged one another. My friends Phil and Franco is here. Why don't you stand up so that they might see the testimony. I am, I am, just, I am just so blessed that if you know the testimony that we have, when I came to Biblical, this black young man, was I young or middle-aged or a little, <laughs> somewhere in there, all the way out in Hatfield, PA, never knew what God was doing in my life, that he would knit our hearts together. I mean, it's been over 10 years, and the friendship is just as new as the day that we sat down and our instructors said, y'all need to get away. If you're coming just for seminary, just to get grades and all that, you missed the point. Because God had called all y'all from different denominations, different areas, all types of cultures together. And I want y'all to get apart and get to know one another and spend time with one another. I didn't know at the time that Phil was uh, the president's son I didn't know at that time, <laughs> Franco, I've never met any, I've never met them before, and God, in his, uh, his, his wisdom, decided to knit our hearts together. I'm telling you all, it can work. It can work if we just sit down and talk and get to know one another and just share our differences. I'm a testimony to the fact that God can take someone that was, you know, you know, discrimination doesn't just come from the white side. It also comes from the black side, too. 
And I had alienated myself from white people because I felt that white people did not like me because of my skin color and where I came from and all that. It was not until we, was, we lost our child, and this is when God opened up my eyes and my heart, that Phil and Franco, his wife and kids, came all the way down the turnpike and ministered and loved on us and walked with us through that process. It can work, y'all. We ought to give God some praises for that. Amen. 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 Don't miss your blessing. Don't miss your blessing. Don't miss your blessing by alienating folks. Amen? Amen. Now it's hard to preach from that because I'm already emotional. Amen? Well, let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this day because, God, this is the day you have made. We do rejoice and we purpose to be glad in it. We are grateful, God, for another opportunity, another uh, honor, God, to be in your sanctuary. And God, we didn't come out of form or fashion. We didn't come to be seen. We came to hear a word from you. And we asked, oh God, that you would hide me behind the cross. That God, that you might be high and lifted up. Because you said in your word, if you be lifted up, you would draw all men unto you. So God, move me out of the way. That we might see Christ in all his glory, all his splendor. In fact, God, allow us to have a transfigurating moment. That God, that we might see you on that mountain, God. And God, we can want to build tabernacles, God, that you might tarry there with us, oh God. We pray even right now that you will speak, have your way, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, some years ago, a book was written by Gene Smith, a noted American historian. The title was, When the Cheering Stopped. It was the story of President Woodrow Wilson and the events leading up to and following World War I. When that war was over, Wilson was an international hero. There was a great spirit of optimism abroad, and people believed that the last war had been fought and the world had been made safe from it by democracy. On his first visit to Paris, after the war, Wilson was greeted by cheering mobs. He was actually more popular than their heroes. The same thing was true in England and in Italy. In a Vienna hospital, a Red Cross worker had to tell the children that there would be no Christmas presents because of the war and the hard times. Well, the children didn't believe her because they said that President Wilson was coming and they knew that everything would be all right. The cheering lasts about a year. Then it gradually began to stop. It turned out that the political leaders in Europe were more concerned with their own agendas than they were with a lasting peace. And at home, Woodrow Wilson ran into oppositions in the United States Senate, and his League of Nations was not ratified. Under the strain of it all, the, the president's health began to break. 
In the next election, his party was defeated. So it was that Woodrow Wilson, a man who barely a year or two early had been hurled as the new world messiah, came to the end of his days a broken and defeated man. It's a sad story, but one that is not altogether unfamiliar. The ultimate reward for someone who tries to translate ideals into reality is apt to be frustrated and defeated. There are some exceptions, of course, but not too many. It happened that way to Jesus when he emerged on the public scene. He was an overnight sensation. He would try to go off and to be alone and the people would still follow him. I tell you, the masses lined the streets as he came into town. And on Palm Sunday, leafies, palm branches were spread before him. And there were shouts of Hosanna and shouting Hosanna. They, in effect, were saying, save us now. Jesus, save us now. Great crowds came to hear him preach, and a wave of religious ex expectations swept the country. Well, I tell you, this Sunday is Palm Sunday, and we come to celebrate the triumphant entry of Jesus Christ. Palm Sunday marks the day that Jesus made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. It marked the beginning of the last week that he was spent as a man on this earth. Please turn with me this morning. If you have your Bibles, and I know you have your Bibles because you wouldn't go to a warfare without your weapon, right? Amen. Please turn with me to Matthew 21, verses 1 to 11. Let me read that in your hearing, and then we'll break this text down. The Bible says, now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, when Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. And all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughters of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, a foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt laid their clothes on them and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? 
So the multitude, multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth, Nazareth of Galilee. Today is Palm Sunday. And while this is Palm Sunday, I want to look at this road that Jesus traveled down. What an awesome road it is that we would consider that today. On that road to Jerusalem, Jesus is traveling towards his death, burial, and glorious resurrection. And while the road led Jesus to Jerusalem, the Jerusalem road will lead us to heaven. We are willing to follow Jesus along that road. We must be willing to travel the road that Jesus traveled, that road to Jerusalem. I want to look at this road intently. Notice, first of all, that it was a road of humility. It was a road of humility. Verses 1 to 3. Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. Now, normally, we like to see our heroes enter with a blaze of glory. I remember when I was young, all those cowboys and Indian uh, stories. 25 minutes, the bad guys will win. 25 minutes, the bad guys will shoot up and beat everybody up for 25 minutes. Then it would go on a commercial break. And then, somebody know what I'm talking about. And then when the commercial ended, next thing you hear, dun, 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 and the heroes will come marching in and win the victory. We love for our heroes to come in with grandeur and posture and looking all splendor. We love that. But Jesus chose to come into Jerusalem on the road of humility. I know it was a road of humility because culturally, when a king came in, they would have all kinds of pomp and circumstances going on. So a pageantry, he would come in on this great white horse and chariots leading them, trumpets sounding, and people would be throwing all kinds of stuff towards the king. But not our Jesus. Jesus chooses the road of humility. That's good news to me. He chose the road of humility. And to follow Jesus on this road of humility, it means for us too. It means for us to give up our selfish desires. It means denying ourselves. It means putting not only God first in our lives, but putting others first as well, our families, our friends, and even our enemies. The Jerusalem road is a road of humility, a road that we are called to follow Jesus on. 
Well, secondly, this road was also a road of fulfillment. Notice what verses 4 and 5 say. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, tell the daughters of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, a foal of a donkey. The fact that Jesus entered Jerusalem on a colt of a donkey is not just by chance or by luck. The fact that the colt was right where Jesus said it would be was not just a lucky guess on his part, but it was all part of fulfilling the divine plan of the Almighty God. What it shows us is that Jesus is indeed the Messiah, foretold in the Old Testament that God will bring to pass his mighty plan. What it shows is that the whole life of Christ was the divine plan of the Almighty God to redeem us, to save us from our sins. And somebody ought to say amen about that. All that Jesus went through was the fulfillment of the salvation of you and I. Jesus traveled down the road of fulfillment, knowing that it would lead to his death on a cross, but also knowing that it would bring salvation, eternal life with the Father in heaven for you and I. We also must be willing to travel down that road of fulfillment with Jesus. We must be willing to fulfill and follow the will of God for our lives. Too many times we back off of what God would have us to do. We look down that road and see where it's leading. And sometimes it leads us where we and our flesh don't want to go. Sometimes it tells us to go visit a loved one that you know that you got an issue with. Sometimes it requires us to go in and ask forgiveness from somebody. He calls us to, to fulfill his will, and sometimes he calls us to go overseas and serve somewhere. He calls us to do things, and we all have to do the fulfillment of the will of God. I don't know about you, but it's a dangerous place not to be in the will of God. I want to be planted in the center of God's will, because where God's will, there's peace there. There's joy there. The road of fulfillment with Jesus. We look down that road and see where it's leading. Sometimes it leads where our flesh don't want us to go. But we need to follow Jesus down that road. We looked down and saw that it meant suffering and dying. That's what Jesus did. But he traveled down the road to fulfill the will of the Father. And we need to follow our Lord Jesus. Thirdly, the road to Jerusalem also was a road of submission. That is, submission to the Father and obedience to the Father. Notice in verse 6 to 8 with So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. And they brought the donkey and the colt 
laid their clothes on them and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus, our Lord, whole life was one of submission to the Father. Jesus' first loyalty was to our Father in heaven. Listen to John 3, 38. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus' purpose was to do the will of God. A few days after his entry into Jerusalem, we'll find Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane praying to the Father. He went a little farther and fell on his face and praying, said, Oh, my Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus, Father, let this cup pass from me. Jesus saw his coming death. He looked in that cup and saw the wrath of God swirling in that cup. Looked at it and said, Father, if it's your will, let this pass from me. Then he went a little farther. And then he cried out, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Is that your testimony this morning? That's how we all ought to end our prayers. Not my will be done, but your will be done, Father. Not my way, but your way. Whatever your will is for my life, I want to be... <laughs> Woo! I'm suppressing it because I, I got some good stuff here. It was ministering to me this week. I was shouting, amen, while we were doing devotion, I was trying to study... I'm, I'm trying to hold it in, y'all. Uh, oh, my Father, if it's possible. But Jesus ends this prayer as we all should end. But as you, your will, let it be done. Complete submission to the will of the Father. Notice that the disciples obeyed him. They were told where and how to get the coat. They probably thought it was strange, but they did it anyhow. Isn't that like God? He'll tell us to do some strange thing. He'll tell us to go some places that don't make any sense. Tell us to get in our car and go around the corner. And we don't, it looks like the direct path is just to go straight down the street. But God knows. God walks before us. He sees things that we don't see. So he tells us to go around the corner because somebody's right there sitting on that corner needs to hear a word from us. And God does some strange things in our lives. He tells us to go places that it does not make any sense. It was strange for him to tell me to come to Manoa Community Church. It was strange that God would call me out of 47 and Woodland. Woo! Mm. 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 They probably thought it was strange, but they did it anyway. And that's what we ought to do. God tells you to do something, my sister and brother. You ought to do it. You ought to get in a hurry in doing it. You ought to run. 
when God tells you to do something. You may not see the answer. You may not be able to see the hand of God, but you ought to trust God's heart. Whenever God tells you to do something, you ought to do it. Some of us are delaying our deliverance. Some of us are delaying our blessings because you have not stepped out by faith and start moving in the direction that God has called you to. Somebody know what I'm talking about. You ought to give God some. <laughs> Woo. Phil, this thing is good, man. Frankly, this thing is all up in me. You, mm, mm. They obeyed. They submitted to Christ. Not only did they submit to Christ, but that donkey did too, y'all. Mm. That donkey had not been written before. And you know what happens when you sit on a donkey that has not been written. It started to buck and kick. It started to kick him off. But you know something, the master got on him, he submitted to the master. I don't know what's bucking and kicking in your life. It may be your loved one, it might be a child, it might be sickness, it might be a financial situation, it might be your health. I don't care what's bucking in your life, but you ought to let Jesus get on your life and ride you through the storm. All you got to do is ask Peter out there on the water. Ask those disciples in the, on the boat. All you got to do is let Jesus, when Jesus gets on board of our life, and everything starts to come and calm and peace. Isn't that something? When we get out of the way and allow Jesus to come in our life, we can just ride through the storm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but you ought to let Jesus come on in. Hallelujah. You ought to let that. Mm. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> mm. When Jesus get on board, he will calm the situation. Just ask those disciples. They'll let you know he is a master of peace. He will give you peace that passes all understanding. Hallelujah. But guess what, y'all? We need to be willing to obey the Lord, too, to submit to his words. It doesn't matter whether we want to or not, whether he, we think it's, it's strange or not. His identity as Savior cannot be divorced. Hallelujah. It cannot be divorced from his identity as Lord. Somebody ought to quote that. Somebody ought to uh, submit that. I don't know how y'all do that. What y'all put that out online? Guess what? You need to remember that. His identity as Savior cannot be divorced from his identity as Lord. You know why? Because if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. You can't just say, I want you to be my Savior. He wants to be Lord. He paid a price for your life. Hallelujah. And you do not belong to yourself anymore. He is Lord. And guess what, y'all? Either we submit now or we're going to submit later. One way or the other, we're going to submit because all knees are going to bow. Everybody's going to fall and submit to his lordship. And you might as well bow down. Bow down now and worship the... <laughs> Woo! Woo! <laughs> He's not lord at all. <laughs> listen, listen. We need to follow Christ on the road of submission, submitting our lives to God. Also notice from our verse that the crowd lays down their garments before Christ as he travels along the road. They lay down their garments as a sign of submission as Christ as king. They also lay down their garments as a way of welcoming Christ as the coming king. We need to ask ourselves, 
What have we done to welcome Christ into our hearts? What have we laid down to show that we are submitting to him as Lord and King of our lives? Well, I tell you that we need to lay down before Christ to welcome him and to submit him. We need to lay down everything, y'all. Everything we need to lay down to Christ. All we have must be brought to Christ. Those who laid down their garments with Christ were not, were not afraid of getting their garments messed up. But sometimes we don't want to lay down our garments. We don't want to lay down our stuff, y'all, because we are afraid that Christ might take it. We're afraid, hallelujah, that he might tell us to submit it. And that's why some of us are still stuck where we're at. We're still holding on some stuff that Christ has told us to throw down, to get rid of, to lay, to get apart from, to move from some of those friends that keep leading you in the wrong direction. He's been told you to step away from them. Some of the situation you've been still hanging around, people you've been still hanging around with, he's been told you to lay that down, and you still pick it up and still carrying it. You ought to lay it down for the Christ, because when we lay stuff down, he he takes us on places and levels that we can never even imagine. If you want to follow a, a Christ on this road of submission, we need to follow Christ down that road. We want to follow the road of kingdom uh, living. We must go by the way of road submission. We must have a mind and a heart of submission to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The truth of the matter is, my sisters and brothers, we can either bow down to the Lord Jesus in submission now, or we're going to bow down later. Finally, the road to Jerusalem was a road of destiny. Notice the last three verses of our passage. Then the multitudes who sit before, who went before, and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna of David the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, the entire city was moved saying, who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Now destiny is the setting apart for a special purpose. It speaks of the inevitable. Christ is here, met with words of destiny. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest from his very birth Christ was destined to die on the cross. God had ordained it. It was Christ's destiny. Since his birth, Christ was meant with words of destiny. Listen to Luke chapter 2, verse 34. As Simeon speaks to Mary, Jesus' mother, the Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall. Hallelujah. 
He's destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel. He was born to die, y'all. From the very beginning of the world, Christ was destined to die for us. Christ understood his destiny. He knew that those cries of Hosea would soon turn to shouts of crucify him, crucify him. And with that in mind, he decided to get on that coat and to go down that road. With that in mind, knowing his destiny, he decided for you and I. I said he decided for you and I. Not just for me, for you and I. He decided to get on that coat because he knew what was facing him down that road. There was crucifixion in front of him. He looked down that road, and I thank God for that, that he looked down that road, saw my situation, saw your state, saw our mess that we were in, and he decided to go down that road. That's good news, y'all. That's shouting stuff right there. That's stuff that people, ain't nobody got to pump you up for. Ain't nobody got to tell you to get up. Ain't nobody got to tell you to shout about. Because when you consider your situation, that you were dead in your trespasses, that you were on your way to hell, but he decided, hallelujah, to step in our mess while we were still sinners. He decided, oh, mm. Woo! He decided, he decided, he decided from that very beginning, Christ decided to die for us. He entered Jerusalem destined to suffer and die. Now, I ask you this morning, you that are online, you that are sitting here, what is your destiny? There is a choice of two destinies. For all mankind, there is a narrow gate and a broad gate. There is a straight path and a crooked path. What is your destiny? Which one are you on? You need to follow Christ on that road that leads to heaven. But just in case, my sisters and brothers, you don't know who this is. Like the question rose in the crowd on that day. And that question stands here today, waiting for each one of us to offer an answer. Who is this? I'm quite sure, Estee, I can ask you, who is this? And you can come back and test. Priscilla, I know you can tell it, Pastor Stephen, who this is. I know, Kelly, you know who this is. But just in case, Somebody in the sanctuary don't know who this is. Can I testify of who he is this morning? Can I testify of who he is? He is the son of God. He is the architect of the whole creation. He is the victor over sin, hell, and the grave. He is the second person of the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Spirit. Who is this? He is the wonderful counselor. Prince of Peace and Mighty God. Who is he? He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Who is this one? He 
is the one who keeps me when I don't want to be kept. He is the one who sticketh closer than a brother. Who is this man, Jesus? He is the one when I was dying, when I was dead in my trespasses, took me out of darkness and brought me into the marvelous. That's who he is. He's Savior. In fact, he is Jesus Christos, Curia. He is Jesus Christ the Lord. That's who he is. He's Lord of all. In fact, who he is, this whole song can say it about him. All hell, the power of Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall, bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. That's who he is, y'all. He is Lord. He's Lord of all. From the uttermost to the guttermost, he's Lord. And that's why we say, that's why we sing, right on, King Jesus. Right on, King Jesus. No man can hinder you. Very well, very well. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You are Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. You are Jesus. You are Savior. You are Deliverer. You are Healer. You are a rock in a weary land. You're my mama's walking stick. You're a bridge over troubled water. You're a rock in a weary land. You are our all in all. You're Alpha and Omega. You're the beginning and the end. You are everything in between. You are Lord. I don't know who he is to you, but you ought to stand to your feet. Give God the praises. Give him the glory. He's a doctor. He's a healer. He's a deliverer. Hallelujah. 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 And we raise from saying, Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Hallelujah. 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 God, we thank you. We thank you this morning that you do deserve all the glory and all the honor. God, we could not have done it by your, ourselves. But God, we thank you that you chose to go down that road. You chose, God, to send your son that he might be the fulfillment of your perfect will, your perfect plan to redeem all mankind. And God, because you redeemed us, we ought to say so. We thank you because he that the Lord has redeemed. Hallelujah. Thank you even right now for your word. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to open up the doors of the church. And maybe you don't know who this is. You might be out there on the airway. You might be sitting in your bedroom, in your kitchen, in your bathroom, wherever you are. If you don't know who this is, I invite you, my sisters and brothers, I encourage you that you might get to know him today. What an awesome time that you might get to know who he is. Jesus loves you. He wants to save you. That's why he came. That's why he went down Jerusalem. We can't celebrate Good Friday. We can't celebrate Resurrection Sunday if he did not choose to go down this road. Today, he wants to meet you right there on that road. 
Why don't you give your life to him today? He loves you. The Bible says, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Is there one today? Why don't you just slip up your hand? I just want to pray for you. Is there one today? I see your hand, my brother. I see you. I see it. I see it. I see your hand. Thank you for being honest. Because guess what? The Bible says that your life is like a vapor. You're here one moment and going the next. You ought not to play with God. If you don't know that you're saved, you ought to make sure that you're saved today. Please, please lift up your hand if you don't know for sure. I just want to pray this prayer, pray this prayer with you. Amen. Ain't nobody trying to embarrass you. Ain't nobody trying to force you in the kingdom. Ain't nobody going to beat you into the kingdom. Ain't nobody going to whip you. In the, ain't nobody going to scare you into the kingdom. But our responsibility as preachers and as individuals to be a witness for the Lord, to share the good news. The good news is that Jesus died for you. He was buried and he rose again on the third day. He ascended on high and sat down on the right hand of God the Father. And daily, he makes intercessions for us. And it gets even better. Because one of these days, he's coming back for those who have put their trust in him. And what a time that's going to be. And I don't want you to miss out on that opportunity. So that's why we pause that at every service. We extend an invitation. It's an invitation. You have to choose acceptance. I can send all the mailed out invitations to everybody in here. Each person responds differently. Today, if you raised your hand, if you're out there on the air, if you don't know, pray this prayer with me, would you please? Father, I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. I need you, Lord. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you were buried and you rose again on the third day. Lord, come into my life and save me. I receive you not only as my Savior, but also as my Lord. Lord, teach me now how to learn and how to grow as a disciple. I thank you for saving me this morning. I give you all the glory all the honor, and all the praises. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.